0: I want to begin this message by reminding you all that on Friday we will gather here in this space for Blue Christmas at 7 p.m. I name that because <clears throat> a sermon on the third Sunday of Advent, when we observe joy, can't ignore the very real challenges so many face in this season and in all their days. What it takes to be a human today is as hard as it's ever been, different but hard all the same. So whatever emotions you face this season, give yourself permission to feel them all. Happiness, sadness, anger, frustration, excitement, hope, peace, unrest. Feel all the emotions you have. Not one of them is outside of God's love and care. This Advent is heavy with apocalyptic texts, and it's an interesting dynamic in a time when the world appears to be having such significant turmoil. This week, we have a reprieve. This isn't so apocalyptic, uh, but it is expectant. It inquires about the one on who we wait. An expectation that was to bring an end to one thing and usher in A new order of all things. In many ways, this is an Advent text in its truest form. The crux of the question in Advent is that of already and not yet. The cousin of Jesus, John the Baptist, is imprisoned because Herod is angry about John's criticism of his wife, who had been the wife of his half brother. From prison, John sends words by way of his disciples seeking to shed light on who Jesus is. They go to Jesus and ask, are you the one or are we waiting on someone else? Jesus makes clear the work he has done, healing the blind, the lame, and the deaf, cleansing the lepers, raising the dead, bringing good news to the poor. John was the messenger. Jesus proclaims, sent to prepare the way, a prophet in his own right. Jesus proclaims the power of John the Baptist. No one is greater than he, and yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. It's a complete upheaval of who royalty is and who will be the greatest. This isn't a new development in the gospel, it's actually the defining characteristic of the realm of God. This one who we are waiting for is greater than John the Baptist, per Jesus, and John is the greatest, per Jesus, but no greater than the least. John and Jesus seem to be proclaiming, not me, and Jesus says, and all those considered less in the kingdom, they are greater than he. There's no way around this truth, if you intend to follow Jesus. Jesus isn't one who clamors for power and position. He isn't one who seeks the throne or sees himself above others. When John sends his disciples to see if he is the one, Jesus doesn't say, Behold, I am he. He simply lists the things he does, the life he leads, the way he wields his power, For those who need healing and hope and life, this is his testimony. Which leads us to the reading from the Gospel of Luke. This reading is called the Magnificat because it is where Mary magnifies God. It is her testimony. Mary's words are not a new revelation. They are the revelation affirmed in the story of Jesus' birth and his ministry. They are the upside-down, mixed-up nonsense that encompass the realm of God. God scatters the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. God brings down the powerful from their thrones and lifts up the lowly. God fills the hungry with good things and sends the rich away empty. The lives of privilege and power that so many experience, they are not God's blessings. They are the human condition that yearns for more without concern or at the expense of others. The divine hand liberates the privileged and powerful to create a magnificent truth for the least of these, that they are as great as the messenger sent to prepare the way and the very one we follow, Jesus on this day, let us see joy as an act of resistance. Jesus' presence in the world, it was an act of resistance to the order of things. That joy it occurs not because of all that is before us, but also in spite of all that is before us. Joy isn't intended to be claimed for those who have access to to all they need, and those who are free from challenge and travail. The life of the one who follows Jesus cannot have all they need when those around them are without what they need. The lives of the ones who follow Jesus cannot have lives free from challenge and travail until all God's children are able to be free of human-created challenges and travails. This third Sunday of Advent, it is known as Gaudete Sunday, which means rejoice in Latin. We celebrate joy this Sunday and we light the rose candle in honor of Mary, the mother of Christ. But Mary had no easy task, explaining to her betrothed a pregnancy that supposedly was not his. Her pregnancy was surely a scandal of epic proportions to her family and to him. She was the pinnacle of powerless, young and female. And just like today, she lived in a time when people were struggling for power. She would be displaced from her home, en route to a foreign land at the command of the empire, without any promise of a place to lay her head or rest her swelling body. And the one she births will proclaim the realm of God, where the greatest one, his cousin, is no greater than the least, Which, despite the Catholic Church's adoration of Mother Mary, would have included Mary. She was the least of which her son spoke not an easy script to flip. We live in a world that has seen significant growth in inequity of wealth. Government leaders abuse power and just importantly ignore abuse to maintain and sustain and grow the power they have while growing the least of these, undermining programs and policies that provide assistance and care, living in the myth of meritocracy and American exceptionalism when they provide the stark evidence that neither exists and for the most part never did. We are stuck in a place of chaos and disorder, not identical to Mary's circumstance or life when Jesus and John ministered throughout the land. In many ways, though, we face similar dilemmas of how we proceed, asking ourselves, has the one we wait for come, or shall we still wait? Has the chosen one of old done all that is possible, or is there still yet to do? What do we do in the chaos of an Advent world where the tangible space of hope and peace and, dare I say, joy are always among us and always right beyond our grasp? What is our calling deep in the place of Advent waiting to abide with the God who abides with us, who has shown strength in the arms of love? In her book, We are the ones we have been waiting for. Inner light in a time of darkness. Alice Walker notes that the poet June Jordan wrote these words, Obama spoke them, We are the ones we have been waiting for. She writes, Sweet Honey and the Rock turned those words into a song, and hearing this song, she has witnessed thousands of people rise to their feet in joyful recognition and affirmation. She explains, We are the ones... We have been waiting for because we are able to see what is happening with a much greater awareness than our parents or our grandparents, our ancestors, much more than they could see. This does not mean we believe, having seen the greater truth of how we all are, of how all oppression is connected, how pervasive and unrelenting, that we can actually fix all things. She writes, But some of us, we are not content to have a gap in opportunity and income that drives a wedge between rich and poor causing the rich to come become ever more callous and complacent, and the poor to become ever more wretched and humiliated. We're not willing to ignore starving and brutalized children. We're not willing to let women be stoned or mutilated without protest. We're not willing to stand quietly by as farmers are destroyed by people who have never farmed and plants are engineered to self-destruct. We're not willing to disappear into our flower gardens or our Mercedes Benzes or our Sylvan lawns. We have wanted all our lives to know That earth, who has somehow obtained human beings as her custodians, was also capable of creating humans who could minister to her needs and the needs of her creation. We are the ones, she writes. We live in the paradox of a world that invites us to be the hands and the feet of Christ, to be co-conspirators who make the incarnation of God's presence an eternal truth for all people. We are called to be aware of the many ways in which a new thing is needed and to mean midwives to the possibilities of that which is yearning to break forth, to be born anew. We are called to make meaning in the midst of our presence, in a community and as a people under siege. This is not a new challenge. Our ancestors in faith have felt the flames and the flicker and the injury of injustice and oppression. Mother Mary was likely uncertain and afraid. Being bold in your claiming of Advent's promise joy does not require or allow complete ignorance of what is going on or complete denial of the fact that our lives and our living are broken and imperfect and filled with sadness and grief and disappointment. And despite all of that, joy is a part of God's promise. And it breaks forth anew all the time. In their book, Spiritual Literacy, Frederick and Marianne Broussat speak to the importance of joy and they remind us of those great souls who call out for it. It is Sufi seer Pirviat Khan who proclaims, Why aren't you dancing with joy at this very moment is the only relevant spiritual question. Well, Rabbi Nachman of Breslau reminds us that joy is not incidental to our spiritual quest. It is vital. Protestant theologian Frederick Buechner speaks to the challenging intersections we often find ourselves in. He says, the world is full of suffering indeed, and to turn our backs on it is to work a terrible unkindness, maybe almost more on ourselves than on the world, but life indeed is also to be enjoyed. Buechner boldly proclaims, I suggest that it may even be the whole point of it. Mystic Julian of Norwich reminds us that the fullness of joy is to behold God in everything. So the good news is that when we live faithfully... Seeing the divine possibility in all that we meet, joy is made possible. It crowds out fear and anger and intolerance. It paves the way for possibility. So each Advent, we encourage folks to spend less, to give more, to be present in places of peace and joy and possibility, to prepare for the inbreaking of God's promised hope and peace and joy and love. So let us be that community that practices joy. It is indeed a spiritual practice and discipline. Let us give ourselves to the deep and difficult questions and also let us join in community for experiences of joy and laughter. We need to be about both. We must live at the intersection as challenging as it may be. So whether you need permission to be joyous, this day, or you needed to be reminded that we are called to the Advent space of already and not yet. Let us be the church that hosts incarcerated women and their children or shows up behind the gates to honor Blue Christmas for the women there. Let us be the church that gathers to make simple gifts and laughs and rejoices with generations of humans in a room. Let us be the church that sings and laughs and prays and learns and protests. Let us be the church that lives faithfully in the place of hope because there is yet still much that is waiting to unfold in this broken world. And let us be the church that lives faithfully as peacemakers in our own lives and as expectation for others and our government. And let us be the church that lives faithfully in places of joy. Because God abides in in everything, there is joy because of the fullness of God's presence. Live with the joy that is yours to be as we continue to make meaning together and co-create the promised realm to come as a community and as the church. In the name of the one who will be born into the night, Amen. amen.